you addressing the need for more maintenance technicians at your company. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Hiring and retaining a tremendous maintenance workforce is a challenge these days. It's really sort of a perfect storm. The nation is nearly at full employment, the business aviation maintenance workforce is aging, and the pool of qualified young maintenance technicians is relatively small. So how are business aviation companies dealing with this challenge? And what is NBAA doing to lead the way? Well, to answer these questions and more, I'm talking with NBAA's Joe D'Amato, Vice President of Educational Strategy and Workforce Development, who joins us from Washington, D.C. From Battle Creek, Michigan, Phil Suglia, the sales manager at Duncan Aviation. Jay King is a senior technician at the Live Oak Banking Company. He comes to us on the phone from Wilmington, North Carolina. And Andrew Keel, Vice President of Fleet Maintenance at Executive Jet Management. He joins us from Cincinnati. Phil, this challenge actually doesn't begin in the shop, does it? You know, a lot of uh, the research that we've done shows that schools are at uh, half capacity right now in terms of uh, aircraft maintenance technicians. And we're looking at critical shortage in 2022. We just haven't seen the enrollment or the awareness of a career that's possible in the maintenance world. And even going and and talking with uh, even high school counselors and uh, vocational schools, there's just not a lot of enrollment or awareness that there's a career available. Jay, how does this manifest itself at the shop? We are seeing shortages across the board, you know, in all facets of the industry. Um, Like you said, not only maintenance, but... um, pilot shortage schedules, dispatchers, I mean, um, industry-wide. You can find a difficulty sometimes to uh, find good talent or experienced talent at that. Joe, any idea what's causing this? I mean, it seems as if our big challenge here is to make ourselves better known to the kids in middle and high school and to the people who counsel them on possible careers. Students are not looking at aviation as the career path for them because we're just not able to talk to them and get the the time in front of them face-to-face to show what an exciting, adventurous, entrepreneurial type of industry aviation is. And then, you know, other than military or airline options, we're trying to find our best ways to show them this wonderful part of the aviation industry that's business aviation. So a lot of it is going to come down to education And really, every single one of us who are already in the business aviation industry, we need to be in recruiting mode 100% of the time. We have a great message to share, and we just have to keep getting it out there any way we can. Let me add on to that, Pete. 30% of the mechanic population is at or near retirement age, which means they're 60-plus years old. The average age of an FAA mechanic today is 51, which is nine years older than the median age for every other U.S. worker. So that means, as we look at newly certified mechanics, which make up 2% of the entire population, and we're looking toward departing mechanics are expected to outpace entering mechanics 4 to 3 through 2037. So that's why I agree with Joe. We need to get back into recruiting mode, and even as far back as middle school and high school level, and help them understand that there's a great career available to them in, in aviation and business aviation in particular. Andy, how do you do that? How do we get the word out from NBAA members and from your committee 
We've been trying to take some creative recruiting steps using social media. We're, we're doing a lot more on LinkedIn and we're publishing out on Instagram and Facebook. Basically, we're, we're trying to appeal to the younger generation. At EJM, we've had to hire additional recruiters just to help us with this types of stuff. We've got people in our marketing department that are reaching out on those different platforms. And we're just trying to raise awareness, um, not only aviation, but the business side of it as well, to hopefully get interest and to show you know, what a neat industry we work in and, you know, just make it something that would appeal to, to, you know, young students today. Jay, how is your company addressing this issue in terms of trying to retain or or hire new talent? We've tossed around the idea of possible internships. I know a lot of, a lot of larger companies, especially they'll bring, you know, an individual or have a co-op program to where they'll pulse them around in each different, um, each different facet of their function of the flight department in order to try and see where their best talents would fit, you know, if they were offered full-time employment in the future. So that's something we've tossed around. Um, you know, I wanted to add, I, you know, being part of this, the scholarship sub, subcommittee for the uh, maintenance, you know, maintenance facet, um, you know, going around to schools and talking to, to the kids, to the students, to the military, um, individuals transitioning back in the civilian world it seems i spend most of the time during these presentations and i've said this before but most of the time in those in those presentations trying to explain what business aviation is just particularly putting those two words together because it's just sometimes it seems difficult for people to grasp you know the concept of actually what is business aviation so i find that difficult sometimes to convey Joe, how do we address that issue? If the kids that we're trying to uh, recruit in high school and in college, if they don't understand what we are, how do we get that across in conjunction with efforts to recruit an MX workforce? Oh, we have a lot of work to do. I think, first of all, we all have to take on the responsibility that we probably came from somewhere. We all have been in aviation for a decent amount of time, and we had to get our education or training had to originate somewhere. And so there's that responsibility for us to go back to where we came from and um, make sure that we are talking about the career paths we've all taken, the impact business aviation has had on that, and generate some excitement to um, the students who are part of the programs we came from and make sure they realize that this is a viable career path. We have to talk to them about the opportunities, whether it's grants and scholarships, mentoring, apprenticeships, co-ops, internships, events that they could attend in their local area, connecting them with local employers. I think a, a big part of this is grassroots. And um, NBA has an impressive amount of members who have started regional groups. There's more than 60 of them around the country. Those are some excellent opportunities for business aviation employers who are part of these groups to connect with the schools in their regions and try to figure out how they could create some relationships. It's, it's definitely going to be part of relationship building. And then from an NBA uh, resource standpoint, we have resources on our website that include a dynamic careers in business aviation video that can be used when addressing students. We have our new edition of the Business Aviation Insider that's specifically for students that we're publishing annually. And we have other resources on our website that help our members interact with students. It's a PowerPoint template. We've got the video. We've got some downloads and handouts. And of course, we're all available as resources as well. Phil, what about recruiting from the military? We do do some of that. We are, you do have to get engaged with some of the, the uh, military uh, exit programs. 
And so that's also part of the Workforce Development Subcommittee. We have a member that is former military, and he really wants to figure that out. I, I could say we're probably in more of the infancy stage of that and how to get engaged a little bit more across the board. The military is a great uh, resource to pull from. Phil, tell me a little bit about some of the offerings in terms of scholarships from the maintenance committee. Jim Huntoon uh, and a couple of others are really running that program. Uh, that's really where Jay got his start. Uh, he got a he got a scholarship coming right out of school, uh, and then spent some time uh, here at Duncan Aviation, and then moved on to his career path, which is what Joe is talking about. Uh, those are uh, taken from about, I think, and I, I don't quote me on this, I think it's about 150 schools nationwide, uh, but the program uh, is um, donated by sponsor organizations for the maintenance uh, conference, uh, so that helps with travel and room and board and things like that, uh, but also they donate um, maintenance programs that are uh, that come with uh purchased aircraft. So when they purchase those and and someone needs G550 training, for instance, uh, but they already have another G550 and they've already been to training, they donate that class to the program. And there's some lucky recipients for those. That's great. Jay, tell me a little bit more about some of the specific offerings that people uh, early in their careers might be able to take advantage of. You know, like Phil said, I was fortunate to uh, actually receive a track scholarship twice. I've watched Accelerate Careers. I mean, not necessarily only mine, but I've watched the, the tracks program and now the A&T scholarship is what it's been renamed to accelerate careers and definitely, you know, help individuals get a foothold, you know, the additional check mark on the resume with a, with a 550 school or a G650 school. I mean, that's expenses that flight departments do not have to incur, you know, in bringing a new technician in. So it's highly likely they may take someone fresh out of school with initial, you know, and bring them on to the flight department. It happens. I mean, there, there, are, there are stories out there where it's actually happened. So, all, all the scholarships are, are great programs. I want to turn for just a second, if we could, toward retention as opposed to recruiting, because there's an issue as well. And one of the things that I'm very aware of is technicians moving from one flight department to another and back and forth to an OEM or an MRO. Why are people moving like this? What are they chasing here? Is it, does it pay? Is it quality of life? What is that? Yeah, so some of it's pay. Some of it has to do with their family situation. Uh, some of it just is a career path. For us at Duncan, you know, we pride ourselves on the fact that we have a really good training program. Uh, we spend a lot of time, uh, not just on the technical piece, but the soft skills training so that they're available to talk to customers. But even doing that and doing that, then they get hired away, which is which for us, we think is a good thing. We're just trying to do that for the industry. And we love to see people get promoted. We have good promotional opportunities with them. But at the same time, uh, we encourage uh, folks to move on to be DOMs like Jay was. For us, as long as they're staying in business aviation, that's the most important thing that we're looking at. Andy, any thoughts on, on trying to retain people who might hop from one employer within our business to another? Well, I think candidates today are looking for uh, the total package. So it, it's you know ensuring that you're uh, competitive with the benefits package, vacation time, you know, being able to unplug, which is hard to do in this industry. You know, we work in an on-demand segment of aviation, and a lot of us are always connected, right? We always have to be available by phone or by email just to support the business of private aviation. Let me turn to Jay on this. I mean, how are you guys uh, at your shop retaining people and how can we apply that at the, at the big picture level? 
you know, retention is an issue, not only amongst, you know, business aviation opportunities, but also technicians are being enticed to move on to other roles. UTC elevators, Otis elevators, they're huge employers and huge recruiters of A&P technicians. They like that type of individual and how that individual has been trained. Six Flags is always looking for A&P technicians. I've actually, I saw a job post not too long ago that actually one of the, um, preferred qualifications would be to have an airframe or at least a, an airframe license. So yeah, it's, it's other industries that are taking away the, the population of mechanics also. Joe, these are some pretty major challenges. What is NBAA doing to help our members meet these challenges? I think that the best thing we can do is continue to provide opportunities for our members to learn from each other. There are so many great retention strategies out there and our flight departments, our member companies are not one size fits all. But there are some flight departments where they've really figured it out. Their retention strategy is not just based on compensation. It's not just based on work-life balance. It's not just based on the company culture. They have that, that magic formula where they have figured out ways to engage their employees, how to reward them and recognize them how to create opportunities for their families to feel like they're part of the company and the company culture. Um, They've introduced goal setting and tried to create with the employee a career path and a way to ascend in their career. And I think when all of those things can work together, you have a happy workforce, a happy team who, who sees the investment the company is making in them. And likewise, they want to make that investment in the company. So again, the best thing we can do from an NBA standpoint is to share those success stories and create opportunities where our members can share them together and network with each other and hopefully learn from each other. Because this is definitely um, an all ships rise with the tide situation. And we want to make sure that this is considered a viable and healthy industry, uh, regardless of who you're working for in the industry. Joe's spot on. I think that we just have to stay engaged. The subcommittee is really focused on filling the funnel for the schools. Uh, we just don't even have enough to pick from right now. And that's that's going to get even worse over the next few years. So uh, we're really saying let's make sure you're getting into your high schools and your middle schools and getting career and getting folks and kids interested uh, in the possibilities that aviation brings. Now, I'll move on to retention really quickly. I think that Uh, The subcommittee says, okay, it's up to the MROs and the flight departments uh, and the OEMs to to do the retainment piece. And for Duncan, uh, we really promote our culture. We really uh, we're doing uh, extra things that uh, some of the new generation is asking for. We have an on-site health clinic at each one of our main facilities, a 24-hour fitness center. We make sure and do company-wide cookouts. We do tuition reimbursement, private pilot reimbursement, professional development classes, Uh, We're constantly investing in the facilities. Of course, uh, most people know we have a really engaged family ownership. Uh, So those types of things uh, we're hoping uh, translate into helping uh, folks not feel like a number on the budget and that they're more uh, valued uh, than, than just coming in and making the widgets every day. Andy, let me ask you the same question, if I might. Tell me a little bit about what's working where you are. I would say remaining competitive with the benefits. Um, you know, we're part of a, a Berkshire Hathaway company. Uh, with that comes uh, benefits packages that are uh, very competitive. Four hundred one k is something that um, has been changed year over year. 
Um, so our HR department and um, the folks who work on our uh, behalf to, to manage our benefits have been taking a real proactive look at, you know, where do we need to be over the next couple of years uh, to, to make sure that, you know, the, the, the entire um, compensation package is fair and it's a place where people want to work. Um, but I really liked what, what Joe had to say and just, you know, supporting people and, and making feel like they're part of, um, you know, the, the greater good and, and part of the mission. Um, having uh, good company values of, you know, we're, we're all here for the same thing, you know, creating an environment where people can come and, and work in aviation and do so safely and, um, you know, with, with the right mission is extremely important. I'll say all the cultural aspects of work have been outstanding, and that's, that's something that I think, you know, if companies expect to retain good talent, that they'll, they'll all need to embrace. Jay, I would think getting the word out is a big part of this equation as well. Absolutely. One could say that there are different qualities of lives for people. I gave a presentation down in Myrtle Beach to an AMP school and actually got in front of about 70 students and was promoting the AMP scholarship. And again, I took my time to try and explain what business aviation is, you know, how this is a business. Try to put it all into perspective, but talked about the opportunities through the you know, the G- Gulfstream G650 maintenance initial and the Falcon 7X maintenance initial, all, all these are provided by the sponsors, of course, but, you know, and, had, and tried to make the students understand you may work for, you know, a large Fortune 50 company and have the opportunity to fly around the world. And it was strange some of the looks I got. And, you know, as we continued to discuss, I got a lot of questions along the lines of, well, are you always going to be gone from home? And it just opened my eyes on you know, some people truly want to come into work. They want to open their toolbox and work, close their toolbox, and they go home and go home. And it was kind of interesting to see how people perceive the quality of life and, and what they would want to see. Yeah, and how people have different priorities. When you when you ask them about quality of life, like you said, I, I love to move around, travel, uh, go place to place. That is certainly reflected in my career. But I also know a lot of people who are homebodies that just don't want to go really anywhere except on vacation. You know, what's really interesting about this entire conversation is we would probably give ourselves all high marks in reaching the choir. We're we're the choir ourselves. I think we are business aviation committed until retirement when we connect with someone who's in the industry and is loving it as much as as we are. we um, We can have those types of positive conversations when we see interns who have already decided this is the career path for them. It's so great to get behind them and help find them connections and opportunities to turn it into a career. And what we have to do and what we have to focus on is continuing to find ways to get beyond the choir and to focus on our grassroots efforts to go back to the places where we came from, to continue to develop resources that will help us have those conversations with people who don't understand business aviation, understanding or get gaining understanding with the guidance counselors and the parents, um, because it's really great when you get a student engaged, especially when you're face-to-face with them in a career event, but giving them the tools to go back to their guidance counselor or their parents and translate that conversation so they feel like they can can get that excitement as contagious as, as we were to them. Now it can be contagious to the people who are supporting them in their careers. So that's a lot of what we have to do. We're making some great strides in this area. Um, we know that the problem is not a future problem. It's a, it's a now and future challenge. And um, we're all doing our best to rise to this challenge and meet it. But it definitely is going to take all of us working together. 
Perfect. So reach out to your local NBAA representative. They'll direct you to direct you right to us and our uh, little subcommittee. Besides reaching out to us, we just need more boots on the ground. I think Joe said it really early on in the conversation. We just need you to uh, attend career fairs. We need you speaking directly to classrooms. We need you to do facility tours for students. Uh, so reach out, uh, especially if you have kids in school, reach out to their teachers and counselors and bring them into your facilities and show those off. There's a lot of amazing facilities across the country. Stay engaged with your instructors at your alma maters. Uh, talk to counselors in high schools and stay involved with, with them and talk to them and educate them on educating students. I think a lot of counselors really don't even understand that there's a career path out there uh, for their kids. So help them understand what that looks like so they can talk to their kids. I think it's really important to talk to students about the fact that this is a certificated position to start with. So it only takes a year and a half. It's not a lot of student loan debt. So you can really get into a career early on and then take classes gradually or get into an organization that just does tuition reimbursement, which is really helpful. Just create an intimate connection and partnership with schools that are in your area that you can maintain a presence in. Talk about the scholarships, do meaningful internships, and be diverse. I think one thing we really didn't touch on much in this conversation is there's not a lot of females in our, in our industry, and that's an untapped resource for us as well. Help females understand that there's a big opportunity here. I really would like to see us be more diverse as an industry. Andy? It's never too early to start, right? So we talk about talking to college recruiters and things like that. Well, they've already they've already made up their mind, you know, what they want to do if we don't if we wait until college. So we're looking at some ideas about getting into high schools and getting into the community and thinking about uh, kind of laying the groundwork, you know, before they get to college, where they choose a major or choose a school, you know, whether it's a, a degree program or a technical school. Jay, you get the final word here. You know, I agree. Phil said it best. You know, boots on the ground. Um, we need to get out to the schools, get the career fairs, at the um, networking events, just to um, that FaceTime is very important. And also, like Phil said, if you can get the students into the hangars, I mean, a wow factor like a Duncan Aviation or we have a very nice hangar here in Wilmington as well. Sometimes that is what will bite them. And that's the bug that's known as aviation. That was Jay King. He's a senior technician at the Live Oak Banking Company Flight Department in Wilmington, North Carolina. You also heard from Andy Keel, Vice President of Fleet Maintenance at Executive Jet Management in Cincinnati. Phil Suglia, the Sales Manager at Duncan Aviation in Battle Creek, Michigan. And NBAA's Joe D'Amato, Vice President of Educational Strategy and Workforce Development. For more information, check out nbaa.org slash workforce. You'll find information there on NBAA's mentoring network, scholarships, and the Workforce Initiative. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, your favorite website for downloading podcasts, or at nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.